0: everyone. I'm Charlotte and I'm Dina. Welcome to The Grim Curriculum. Last week's episode felt like we rode to the very top of a roller coaster and today we are riding it all the way down. Absolutely. We are heading
1: into some very dark territory today.
0: We are continuing our series
1: on the List Family Murders. Last week we introduced the List family. In this episode, we're going to be going over not just the tragic murders committed by John List, but also the amount of meticulous planning that went into it.
0: And we'll remind you that this level of planning was part of the reason that he would get away with this for 18 years.
1: The thing that really stands out to me about this entire case is how unnecessary all of this was. Last week, we talked a lot about what led up to the deaths of the List family, especially the financial motive that John had. This family could have just downsized and lived within their means. I'm sure if they had a choice between death and a smaller house, they would go for the smaller house.
0: That is truly the logical thought that I had also. And if that is not even an option, just leave. Just walk away from it at all. At least your family gets to
1: live. This whole thing is so frustrating. I'm. This is going to be one of those episodes. I'm going to try not to rage, but I am going to rage. <laughs> just a warning, you guys. And you know what else I hate about this guy, among everything else? Look mm-hmm. at his smug, dumb little face. In
0: his mug shots, he looks so almost unfazed. Yes. And that's one of the things, and I'm sure we'll get into it, that makes me believe that he knew exactly what he was doing, like, He tried to make excuses that he was doing it because his family was straying from the church and, you know, that he would rather see them die rather than be poor kind of thing. But I don't buy it.
1: Me either. He almost looks like the entire thing is like a chore. Like,
0: oh, I'd rather be doing anything but this. Totally. So at this point in the story, John is completely spiraling. He's been unemployed for quite some time, the family has essentially run out of money, and the majority of them have completely stopped going to church. In his mind, things couldn't get any worse. John had done everything possible to keep his
1: failure a secret from his entire family. As far as they knew, nothing was wrong and they were essentially living the American dream.
0: And we'll remind you that John was still getting up early, putting on his suit and leaving the house every day to go to work. But in reality, he was sitting at the train station just reading and letting the day pass him by until it was time to go home. John was definitely feeling the stress of keeping so many secrets from his family. But here's the thing we all know about secrets is eventually the truth comes out. And
1: that's exactly what was going to happen. John had drained his mother's life savings quite quickly, and by now there was absolutely no money coming and the bills were
0: piling up. The bank had started calling about missed mortgage payments. John made false promises for as long as he could, but eventually they threatened to foreclose on the house. He just couldn't deal with the idea of his family finding out about any of this. So he decided that his only option was to just kill them all.
1: Now, some of you might be asking yourselves, why didn't John List kill himself? Why did he have to take his whole family's lives because of his own failings?
0: Which is a completely valid question, because as we know, John was able to continue living his life after they were all dead. First and
1: foremost, he thought that if he killed himself, the family would still end up losing everything and therefore they'd have to live a less affluent lifestyle.
0: And we say less affluent because they still would have been living a life that most of us would consider pretty damn comfortable.
1: Second, in John's mind, if he killed himself, he wouldn't go to heaven, which of course
0: was his top priority. And of course, he thought that if he just killed his family, he could ask for forgiveness and then just still go to heaven anyway.
1: I really don't think you get a mulligan on murder.
0: No, I mean, if you believe in this sort of thing, I'm pretty sure murdering your entire family gets you a one-way ticket to the man down below. Right. When John decided that killing his family was the only solution, he knew there was no going back. In an interview he gave decades later, he said...
1: It's just like D-Day. You go in, there's no stopping after you start. What? Jesus Christ. There's that bullshit smugness. Like, don't you dare compare killing your family to fucking D-Day. Oh my god, that is so (laughs)
0: ludicrous. Right? It makes me just want to rage, seriously. I guess we should also quickly talk about someone who we didn't really mention last week that would be quite important later on in this episode. Ed Iliano, Patricia's drama teacher.
1: There is a special relationship between kids and their drama teachers. I'm sure we have some listeners who know what I'm talking about, but I had a really amazing drama teacher in high school and we all just trusted her so much. We confided in her.
0: Same. Right? Like
1: drama is a safe space. It really, really is. And it, it definitely
0: was for Patricia. Definitely. So, of course, she confided in her teacher. She told him about the arguments that she had with her father and how he called her a slut, amongst other terrible things. She also mentioned on numerous occasions
1: that during these fights, John had threatened to kill his family. Like, he was straight up saying
0: this to them. What she told him worried him, so he decided to pay a visit to the List family home a few days before the murders. He noticed that during this visit, he felt like there was a lot of tension between the family members and that something seemed off.
1: He also would later talk about something strange that happened between him and John Jr.
0: He hadn't interacted with the boy a lot, but he did know him from school. So he thought it was a little strange when young John forcefully grabbed his arm, looked him dead in the eye and told him to come by more often.
1: That's another thing about this case that's honestly really sad because these kids were absolutely horrified of their dad. He straight up told them that he wanted
0: to kill them on numerous occasions and they believed him. They just didn't know who to go to for help. A few days later, Patricia called Ed and asked him to visit the home again. Ed told her that he wasn't able to that day.
1: Apparently, she was quite frantic during this call. She didn't tell him what was going on, but she essentially begged him to come over again.
0: Ed would never see Patricia alive again.
1: And that brings us to November 9th, 1971. Now, the majority of this information comes straight from John List's confession that he would give 18 years later, as well as the
0: letter that he wrote to his pastor. And dear listeners, we will be sharing bits and pieces of that confession, but all of it will be available up on our Patreon. Just a heads up, it's going to make you real mad. And that's patreon.com slash thegrimcurriculum, just so you know. Yeah, yes it is.
1: (laughs) Something that makes John List stand out is that unlike a lot of family annihilators, he didn't kill everyone at once or one by one in a short period of time. Instead, he killed his entire family
0: over the course of that day. The first part of his plan was simple. He would call the company that delivered his newspapers and tell them that he needed to cancel their service as their family would be going away for a little while. John knew that if neighbors noticed
1: newspapers piling up, they'd eventually grow concerned and he wanted to give himself as much time as
0: possible to get away. The ridiculous thing about this is that apparently they missed the memo and a newspaper was still delivered to the home on that day. A note would be found that John wrote himself as a reminder to call and ensure that it was cancelled.
1: As the day started, the three list children left for school. As far as they knew,
0: everything seemed normal. Obviously, what they didn't know was what their father had been planning. John also left a note outside for the milkman to tell him that he wanted all deliveries to stop. Again, he said the family was on vacation.
1: Once the children had left, the only people who remained in the List home were Helen List,
0: John's mother Alma, and of course, John himself. At around 9.30am, Helen List came downstairs to the kitchen to heat up some water so she could make a cup of coffee. She didn't really acknowledge John, who was also in the kitchen. If she had, she may have noticed that John List was holding a gun. John sat and watched his wife as she waited for the water to heat up. She then made herself a fresh cup of coffee and took a sip.
1: That was when John got up and pulled out his gun. He stood almost directly behind Helen, and without any warning, he shot her in the jaw. The
0: first shot didn't kill Helen, but it did cause her to fall to the floor, bleeding. John pointed his gun at her again and shot her until he ran out of bullets. John's mother
1: Alma was on the third floor in her apartment. He ran all the way up before she had a
0: chance to really react to the many gunshots that rang throughout the house. When he ran up, he threw the door open and saw his mother sitting at her kitchen table drinking coffee. When Alma saw John, she asked him about all the commotion that she had heard from downstairs. Without a word, John raised his gun at his mother and pulled the trigger. The bullet hit her just above the eye, killing her instantly. John's original plan was to kill each member of the family and drag their bodies into the ballroom. However, as John said in his confession, Alma List was not included because... She was far too heavy to move. So instead, he found some loose carpet and wrapped his mother in it and left her in the apartment. John used newspapers and
1: towels to clean up the mess he had made while killing his mother. He would later claim that this was to show, quote-unquote, respect.
0: As for why he even chose to kill his mother along with everyone else, John List would say this in his confession. Mother got
1: involved because doing what I did to my family would have been a tremendous shock to her at this age. Therefore, knowing that she is also a Christian, I felt it best that she be relieved of the troubles of this world that would have hit her.
0: He's so pompous... He has such an (laughs) elevated opinion of himself, even though he is literally the blandest failure you've ever heard of. I
1: hate that despite everything he does, he still tries to make himself out to be some kind of a hero. He's killing them to spare them. He's killing them to do them a favor. He's trying to justify that it's the right thing to do when in reality, he sounds crazy.
0: Again, he's trying to justify it, and I don't think he realized how much he's trying to justify it to himself as much as he is everybody else. Seriously. After this, he then made his way back downstairs to the body of his wife.
1: He grabbed Helen by the feet and dragged her to the ballroom. He then got some sleeping bags and laid them out in the ballroom so that they would be there after he killed his children.
0: He laid Helen out on one of the bags and then cleaned up the trail of blood that led from the kitchen to the ballroom. John then showered and cleaned all the blood off of
1: himself because at this point he was quite covered in it. He then put on a fresh suit and continued on with his day.
0: Once he was clean, John sat down and wrote letters to the children's schools saying that they would be gone for an undetermined amount of time due to an illness in the family.
1: After he did that, he went outside and did some yard work to ensure that the front of the house looked as nice as possible. At this point, I think he's absolutely lost it. He's outside in a suit and tie mowing the lawn after he just killed his wife and his mother at essentially point-blank range. Like, this is absolutely wild.
0: To do all of this and then try to justify it the way he did and then to do these things, it just... Yeah, something's not clicking in there, John.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, there is something going on. Like, there's something in his little reptilian brain that is just
0: not Yeah, the, the switch has flipped. <laughs> yep. Now, by this point, John has had a pretty big day, to say the least. Lunchtime was approaching, and his belly was starting to rumble, so he decided to take a small break from annihilating his family and stop to make himself a sandwich. As far as he was
1: concerned, his plan was going perfectly. All that was left now was the children.
0: His intention was to kill them as they arrived home, However, this is when his plan began to go slightly off course. At around 12pm, Patricia
1: called John from school to say that she wasn't feeling well and that she needed him to come pick her up.
0: Like the dutiful dad he was, John did as he was asked. He picked Patricia up and drove her home without a single word knowing full well that the second they walked into the house, he would kill her. When they got home, Patricia took some time grabbing her
1: books from the car. While she was doing that, John quickly walked into the home and prepared
0: himself for what was to come next. Patricia walked into the home. As soon as John saw her, he raised the gun and shot her at point-blank range in the back of the head. She died instantly before she even realized what was happening. John dragged her
1: body into the ballroom to join her mother.
0: After he killed his daughter, John showered yet again and changed into another clean suit. By now, it was around 1 p.m., He then left the home to run some errands. He went to the bank to
1: cash a small check and he then went to the post office and sent off the letters that he had written to the kids'
0: schools. He then filled out an application to have all of the mail held for the family at the post office for 30 days. Because remember, his entire plan
1: was to essentially give himself as much time as possible to get away after the murders without anyone noticing. So in his mind, he thought if no mail was piling up, the neighbors would assume everything was fine and they'd just leave everyone alone.
0: He also arranged for a letter to be delivered to the List family home later on that day containing a letter as well as a key. We will get back to that later.
1: John then took out the last few dollars from his mother's bank account, therefore ensuring that he had taken literally everything he could from her.
0: A few hours later, Fred List finished his day at school and went to work. He had a part-time job and was known to be a really good kid.
1: That's something that we didn't really openly state here. These kids were all pretty well behaved. They were good students. And aside from the small amount of experimenting that Patricia had done, they didn't really rebel in any way.
0: Which is pretty wild considering the fairly abusive environment that's going on right now, to be honest. Right, not to mention it's the
1: 70s. I feel like that was the time to, like, rebel, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I I remember thinking when we were recording the last episode that there's a lot of parallels here to the Amityville case. Mm -hmm. um, Except that in this particular case... All of the kids were great, whereas obviously with Amityville, Butch was off the deep end. Again, another entire family familicide. Mm -hmm. Fred heard that his sister was sick that day and was worried about her. The two were quite close and he genuinely cared about his big sister.
1: He phoned his father to ask if he could pick him up from work so he could come home and take care of Patricia.
0: Which is, okay, I can't say there's too many little brothers that are that willing to go out of their way for their big sisters. Like, what a sweet guy. That's what the reports about him
1: say, is that he was a really caring kid. He was sweet. He was cuddly. Like, he
0: was just a really, really gentle-hearted child. And John is annoyed by this new development, but he did agree to pick up his son.
1: Just like he had done with Patricia, John drove Fred home without a word. When they arrived at the house, he hurried out of the car and into the house where he waited with a
0: gun for his youngest son. John walked up to his son and looked him in the eye. He then raised his gun and shot him in the head. Fred died instantly.
1: Just like he had done with Helen and Patricia, John dragged the body of his son into the ballroom.
0: Now John Jr. was the only child left.
1: You're probably noticing that barely anything about this whole plan is actually working out for John. Like, he spent so much time planning and predicting how this was going to go, and the two kids coming back really derailed things for him.
0: I mean, if there's one thing that's specifically unpredictable about humans, it's our children. (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) John Jr. was supposed to go to soccer practice after school that day. However, that November was a particularly cold one, and practice was cancelled due to the weather.
1: John List had no clue that his son was coming home early. However, he happened to look out the window just as John Jr. was walking down the driveway towards the home. This allowed John List a few moments to prepare for one final murder.
0: It is very likely that when John Jr. walked into the house that day, he saw all of the blood from the murder of Fred List as John hadn't had time to clean the mess up. The next thing he saw
1: was his father raising
0: a gun at him and pulling the trigger. John Jr. actually managed to dodge the shot. This caused the bullet to hit him in the back rather than the head as his father had intended, but he fell to the ground, gravely wounded.
1: John shot him one more time. However, he still
0: didn't die. By this point, John List is growing frustrated, and his son is still breathing despite being shot by him twice. He then pulls out a second gun from his pocket and shot him with both guns multiple times.
1: This is a 15-year-old boy, and I want to clarify, he had, like, a gun in each hand, and he's shooting at his kid with a gun in each hand.
0: That's not quote-unquote, mercy-killing. Like, that is absolute carnage.
1: There's no better way to describe that other than the word carnage. It's just awful.
0: Oh man. All in all, he shot him a total of ten times.
1: The rest of the deaths happened relatively quickly, but I feel so incredibly bad for John Jr. because he had time between the first shot and the shot that finally killed him where he was probably so scared and so confused about what was happening.
0: John Liss then dragged the body of his son into the ballroom with the rest of the family.
1: Except poor Alma, who was still upstairs, wrapped up in a carpet.
0: Once John Jr.'s body was in the ballroom, John rearranged all of the bodies.
1: We talk about crime scene photos a fair bit on this show, but the pictures from this scene are absolutely haunting. Oh, they're rough, hey, guys. Oh my, there's something about the bodies just laying side by side in this gorgeous room. It's horrifying. Something else I noticed was that, okay, John covered all of their faces, including Alma, but in the crime scene photos, Helen's face isn't covered, and you can see this
0: horrified
1: look still on her face yes I
0: noticed that too and it shook me a little bit they are quite graphic they are and I
1: wonder like if he didn't bother covering her up for whatever reason or if she was uncovered but that one like I was scrolling through the photos and I stopped at that one that it was holy shit like this is awful
0: John stood in the ballroom looking at the bodies of his wife and children and despite the few minor hiccups Things had gone relatively according to his plan. He then dropped down to his knees and began to pray.
1: Like we mentioned before, his plan was to kill them and then pray for forgiveness to ensure that he would still be able to get into heaven.
0: And again, we'll remind you all that his entire thought process was that he would live out his life and that once he finally died, that he just would get into heaven and his family would be happy to be reunited with him because either they wouldn't remember that he systematically murdered them one by one or that maybe they'd just kind of be over it. Right. And again, this is delusion
1: at its finest. absolutely. I... I'm not saying I like the people that we cover, but I really hate this guy.
0: Oh, he's a real bastard.
1: I right? Like like, he, oh, he's the worst. Now, at 5 p.m., the letter that we
0: mentioned earlier was delivered to the house like John had arranged. He set it aside. Two hours later, he phoned a man he considered to be one of his closest confidants, Pastor Ray Winkle.
1: He told the pastor the same story about the family leaving town for a little while due to a family emergency.
0: And after he got off the phone with the pastor, John phoned Ed Iliano to tell him that Patricia would be away for a little bit and would not be attending drama club until further notice. Once he finished
1: these calls, John sat down and began to write a series of letters. He first wrote a letter to Helen's mother. He apologized for killing his family, but explained to her that he had to kill them because he didn't want them to live in poverty or end up in hell. He told her
0: that he essentially had no choice. He then wrote a letter to Helen's sister where he basically said the same thing that he wrote to her mother. He offered his most sincere condolences for the passing of her sister. My God, I just felt my blood pressure skyrocket. This is so... There's no words. This is heinous. (laughs) It is. There's like... Can you imagine getting that letter in the
1: mail? I killed your sister. Sorry for your loss. Sorry about it.
0: (laughs) And, can and you it's ab- not even, like, sorry for doing it. Sorry for your loss. Like, oh, I'm sorry that your sister died. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not sorry that I caused her to die. I think about the
1: reaction that they must have had upon receiving these letters. Because there was probably a moment where they were just like, wait, this can't be real.
0: Is this a joke? Like, is this some kind of sick, twisted, mean, cruel joke? Right? Because, like, this is just not something people do. Oh, my God. The next letter was to his Aunt Lydia, his mother's sister, and to her, again, he justified his actions. He then wrote a letter to Pastor Ray Winkle. This is the letter that is considered his confession, which we are again posting over on Patreon.
1: You know what pisses me off so much about this letter on top of everything else? Mm Mm-hmm. He tells the pastor that he wants the family cremated or whatever is cheaper because that's their wishes. Fuck sakes. But... Like we mentioned last week, he asked his kids what they would want done to their bodies if they died. And he they, did. And they would say they all wanted to be buried. So he asked them this, like, horrifically traumatizing question, and then he didn't even do what they wanted.
0: Well, he was probably like, fuck it, cremation's cheaper, right? Like, I don't have any money for a cemetery plot anymore, so oh, you're exactly. going to get what you're going to get. But that
1: shows, like, that really shows that he, I think he liked having that power over them and watching them squirm when he said stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I don't think this was a a twisted, sick, twisted act of love. I think he was sick and tired of his family because he blamed all his failures on them, more or less, right? Even though he's clearly the problem here. And he probably, yeah, he probably enjoyed it. I don't think he liked his family very much.
1: No, like he, he didn't like Patricia. He didn't like the fact that she was into art and all of this stuff he thought was weird. The The boys, he didn't really care too much for them. Helen, she, Helen's like sick with syphilis. I'm sure they didn't have much of a sex life.
0: I would think not.
1: (laughs) Right? So like there's not much in his life that's going too well. He wanted to get out. There's no other reason. I don't buy the whole like, oh, I wanted to spare them thing. He just wanted out and he was a chicken. He didn't want to do anything else.
0: Yep. I completely agree. Once he wrote the letters, he opened the letter that he had had delivered to the house earlier that day. And like we said, it contained a key and a note. He used the key to lock the letters he wrote in his desk. And then he left the note on the desk. The note contained instructions for whoever found his family to contact the police and use that key
1: to get the letters that he wrote. This
0: is so complicated. Like, who does he think he is? Like, fucking Jigsaw? For someone who hated
1: drama so much, he was pretty fucking dramatic.
0: I tell you, there's no one more dramatic than a man that is bland. (laughs) (laughs) I love nothing more dramatic than a bland man. I'd buy Uh, that t-shirt. Oh, man. So after all this, he made himself dinner and just had a nap. He woke up just before
1: dawn the following morning. He then went through the house and got all of the photos of his family that he could and destroyed them.
0: This was in the 70s. So this is the time when the only photos that existed of people were physical photos. If you got rid of all the photos of someone that existed, that was it. It's basically like you're erasing them. And you'll notice there aren't many photos of the List
1: family. Like, there aren't a ton of, like, family photos of them together or anything like that. Because the only photos that were left were ones that their family members had.
0: That's incredibly sad.
1: It really is. He went out of his way to try to erase them. John List then lowered the temperature in the house to ensure that the bodies would take as long as possible to decompose.
0: I have to say... In this particular case, that's a very good move to make from his point of view. That's quite a smart thing to do because that can throw off a coroner's estimation of time of death by a long time. It's interesting because we'll get to this next week, but he didn't think he was going to get away for very
1: long. He was convinced he'd get caught relatively quickly.
0: Interesting. But
1: I feel like he just did so many things that would help him not get caught that he did enough where it actually worked.
0: Yeah, and especially in the 70s, too, like a lot of the technology that we use today for crime scene investigation and that kind of thing didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. It was a lot easier to disappear in those days. It definitely was.
1: I mean, it's as simple as getting rid of photos of yourself.
0: Yeah, That's totally. How simple
1: it's You can't do that anymore.
0: No, not if you're on social media or have <laughs> been in any capacity. You on the internet now, my friend. Yeah, exactly. You're not going anywhere. John dropped off a letter at two of the kids' part-time jobs and then drove to the airport where he parked his car and abandoned it.
1: John List would not be found for another 18 years.
0: And that's where we will pick things up next week. Oh my god, I'm, ah! I'm excited to see how this all turns out because I'm not, I am familiar with this case in the sense that I've heard of it before and I watched a documentary a very long time ago, but most of this is kind of like refreshing the memory. It sounds terrible
1: to even say this sentence, but this is one of my favorite cases of family annihilation because (laughs) it's just so crazy. Because again, usually in family annihilation, the, the person that commits the murders kills themselves, but he got away with it. And this story is so far from over, you guys. He has 18 years of life left to live before they catch him.
0: And I'm so glad because I bet you, even though, like you said, he thought that he was going to get caught potentially relatively quickly, I bet you after a certain point, as each year started to go by, he's thinking, I did it. I got away with this. Like, there's no way at this point, right? So the fact that they do finally catch up to him, it makes me very happy that he ended up in jail.
1: And the way that they're going to catch him and the amount of work that goes into it. We're going to talk a lot next week about just like we don't go into like the forensics of this kind of stuff a lot. But I'm going to talk about it next week with everyone because this blew my mind. And I, I'm i just so excited to share it because it's it's wild. I love that stuff. So I'm very excited to hear all about it. It's going to be a good one. I am stoked.
0: Now is the part of the episode where we thank our lovely supporters from over on Patreon. Y'all are the bomb.com. But we always give a special shout out to our grim VIPs and up.
1: A huge thank you to Bob, Lisa, Atlantean Jedi, Brian, Hillary, and
0: Judy. Thank you all so, so, so much. We really appreciate you guys. Yes, absolutely. And thank you to everybody else out there listening. If you'd like to follow us on social media or check out our merch, those links are down in the description or the show notes so you can check that out if you'd like to support us that way.
1: Thank you all so 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 much for listening. This has been The The Grim Grim Curriculum. Curriculum. All right, Charlotte, so instead of a strange fact to end off today's episode, I would like to share the dying words of oscar wilde oh i love oscar wilde hit me with it my wallpaper and i are fighting a duel to the death one of us has got to go
0: what an icon he was bye bye